Good morning, afternoon, whatever time it is, Jays fans. We had an emergency, hot, you know, breaking news episode here for you as far as everything goes. We had to whip this together really quick because all of a sudden, Russell Martin is no longer a Toronto Blue Jay and the era is completely closed as it seems to speak of uh, what was the 2015-2016 run for the Toronto Blue Jays. That and plenty of other news here, so to talk through all this wonderful, fun stuff, Today I have with me Hayden Godfrey of Jay's Journal and apparently a bunch of other places as of the moment. <laughs> and I'm sure he, I'll give him his uh, time to plug and shine at the end of the show here. But Hayden, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Craig. Always a pleasure to speak with you. And, and as you mentioned just before we went on here, the offseason happened in the last 48 hours, apparently. So we've, we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, so with that being said, I know I my fans and of the Jaybird watching here like to keep these short for their morning commutes and whatnot around the city, so we're just going to dive right into it, my friend. Let's so do it. First things first, as of the close of the Wednesday wallop with Brandon Panikar and me, myself, Craig Borden, uh, the David Phillips news had not landed yet. So this is another wonderfully solid arm that is coming to the forefront for the Toronto Blue Jays. A very friendly deal as far as it's a 2.5 mil base for a guy with a very live arm that has some fresh um, you know, life off of Tommy John's surgery. Um, could be very interesting stuff, Hayden. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you know, you and I and Adam talked about this with, with the Shoemaker uh, signing when it happened. This is a very typical signing of a rebuilding team. You know, Phelps, as you mentioned, is a live arm. I was looking at his stats. I was actually quite impressed at what he was able to do the year before he had Tommy John surgery. Um, he's a solid arm. They really didn't pay too much to get him. If Ross Atkins' recent comments are to be believed, which I believe he said on a conference call yesterday, they expect Phelps to be ready for opening day, then he could be an absolute bargain. And with the option for 2020, if he does end up performing, uh, it'll be a fantastic deal for the club. Yeah, this is a guy that has been, um, when he was a starter with the Yankees, was a little all over the board, but um, yes. mixed in you know, with good starts, bad starts, and whatnot. Really found a uh, niche with Miami in the bullpen um, as he kind of progressed through that um, couple years there, but has consistently been below the 3.5 mark in his ERA through you know about 60 or so innings the first couple of years, and then, like we had mentioned, he had the Tommy John and as obviously rehabbing from that. But this is a guy that can get people out in key parts of a ball game, and he has already pitched in the hard American League East with the Yankees. And even though at that time he was a starter, his first season with the Yankees in 2012, almost 100 innings and had 3.34 ERA. That was back all the way in 2012 when he was 25, but somebody that at least probably has the experience to be able to run into this division that is getting only more and more competitive by the day, my friend. Yeah, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about consistency, right? I'm very, very intrigued by the by the bullpen that the Blue Jays are going to throw out there in 2019 um, because they don't have a lot of proven assets. I mean, Ken Giles is there. Ryan Tapera is there. Danny Barnes has had some off years. Will Pannone be in the bullpen? How will Mesa fare? Uh, you know, what happens, uh, you know, is Sam Gaviglio going to be there? They really don't have a lot of consistent arms right now that you can count on and say, all right, 50 innings with a sub-4 ERA. And even though 2019 isn't really the year to be super competitive and super focused on a division, it's still nice uh, for our blood pressure to have some consistent innings coming out of the pen. And I think David Phelps will, will admirably provide that. Yeah, and I think this is the uh, hindsight of the Blue Jays not being able to go out and find that 
you know, key starter that they're looking for. Yes, they've made some nice additions with Shoemaker and company, but if you can't build up on the starting pitching, somebody's got to eat up the innings, and if we're just going to have the revolving door or the short bus going back and forth from, between Buffalo and uh, Toronto, it's nice to have arms like Phelps. This is somebody that can come in and get out, period. And he doesn't walk a lot of guys. I thought that was one of the nice things looking at his stat line here. Hasn't written, um, you know, his average innings, like I was telling, like his looks to be around the 50, 60 ballpark. Hasn't walked more than 30. And he's striking yeah. people out about as many innings as he pitches. So that is the kind of arm you want dominating in the back end of a game. And it, get, it takes some of the pressure off of the Brocky. Uh, Reed Foley, Gavilio, everybody that is not the most seasoned of starting pitchers, right? Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's it's just that, right? You know, 2019 is going to be a throw things at the wall and see what sticks, um, and that's fine for them to have that, especially in this rebuilding time. But yeah, it's really good to have some guys where you can even 40, 50 innings, which isn't really well. You know, it's a decent amount for a reliever, but it's just re- it's comforting, and I can imagine. You know, Charlie Montoya and company feel the same way, that it's good to have that sort of consistent arm in the bullpen. It's a great signing, and, you know, 2.5 mil guaranteed with a, you know, a really complicated option. But it's it's a good team-friendly deal, and it's not one that they're going to look at and say we should not have signed this because if something goes wrong, it's a $2.5 million commitment. It's really not earth-shattering. Yeah, and as far as all it goes for the, the cryptology degree that you would need to cipher through <laughs> the rest of that other non-stuff, um, just... Baseball reference is projecting at for what we're going to be paying for $2.5 million is pretty damn nice in all reality. They're guessing him to hit 32 innings or so, have a 3.6 ERA, and he's going to strike out about 33 people. That's, I'll take it. That's pretty good in all reality. Yeah. And honestly, uh, even for that line as a bullpen arm, with how valued the built bullpen is in today's game, yeah. 2.5 comes off as a very nice middle ballpark for a guy that looks to bounce back, and the Blue Jays taking that risk of being able to see what he has, and then hopefully have him around for the 2020 season if he does do well. So, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. The, the, that projection really looks nice if you can get to that. All right. So before we dive into the uh, the major news of the other thing, we have one other headline here is that the, basically every arbitration-eligible Blue Jay has been signed, and this is after all the drama last year with Marcus Stroman, who was included in this list. And got a nice little payday here that I'm a little shocked by. It's not I'm not surprised, but it's not what I was expecting after the last year of uh, nickel diming. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't we jump in with Stroman being the first one? Stroman signs his arbitration deal for one year for seven point four million dollars. That was the highest of the Blue Jays minor league or uh, arbitration eligible players. After the rough season that he had, I was a little shocked to see him get this. I was thinking maybe six ballpark would have been a nice number for the Blue Jays, but maybe this is them making up for last year. Yeah, it's definitely possible, Craig. I, I just like you, I was rather shocked that Stroman was one of the players who agreed and settled in arbitration instead of going to trial. And I think, as you mentioned, you know, we'll never know what went on behind the scenes with regards to the compromise of the salaries. But you know, if if that's the case giving up a little bit more money to save the sort of messiness, so to speak, of going to trial might be worth it, especially with, you know, Stroman talking about the rumors on Twitter and, you know, sort of subtly ribbing the front office in a couple of ways. I think this was probably the best possible outcome. You know, the, the salary is debatable. Uh, you can you can say what you want about Stroman last year, whether he was good enough to warrant that or whether he has the potential to be good enough uh, to warrant that. Um, it seems rather fair, but it's it's really good that they agreed and don't have to go to trial with them. 
Yeah, I agree with that, and I think a lot of that is too. Maybe this is what smooths over the fun with the trade rumors and whatnot from the yes. front office and everything. But in all reality, a guy that had an off season last year, barely getting above the replacement level with a point two WAR. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but for career numbers, he's just under the eleven uh, mark for the, his career WAR, and has a three point nine one ERA through five seasons. So, out. In all reality, last year was probably the outlier. Yeah, I guess you we're can hoping. Make that argument. We're hoping. Yeah, it, that's the thing is that it's almost like a, a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde thing with both Stroman and Sanchez, who also agreed uh, and settled in arbitration. Which one are you going to get? And I think this arbitration figure definitely banks on that you're going to get uh, the Stroman who valiantly came back from a torn ACL and, and pitched like it was nobody's business in, in September. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's. It's looking good for Strowman, and yeah, the fact that they agreed is a great sign. Yeah, and I hope that at least gets the ego and everything. Like, let's hey, this is you're getting paid to play well this year. Yes, let's, let's play well. Yeah, you know, hopefully this should smooth that over. And um, we'll just jump right into Sanchez being the other flip side of the coin here. Uh, Three point nine mil for this season. That was definitely more on the I would say club side. I think because if you want to talk straight potential with a guy that's a Scott Boris, <laughs> no, oh yeah, client. Um, he's making that argument that he's worth every dime that Marcus Stroman is. But yeah, he hasn't I mean, been able to show it. Yeah, the, look, Sanchez has been so disappointing, and, and I feel for him. I mean, I really, you know, as do a lot of people in the organization and a lot of fans, he has the potential. We saw what he did when he won the ALERA crown. Like, he was really, really a fantastic arm. Um, if, perchance, he goes out and does really well this year, then this arbitration figure looks like an absolute bargain for the Blue Jays. Um, I was a little shocked that he got a little bit, you know, a little bit under four. I thought I thought he'd be more in the 4.5 ballpark just based on some projections that I'd seen. But, yeah, totally great for the Jays, you know, especially if he can stay healthy and if he's determined to be a member of this team. I know there's been trade rumors circling about almost endlessly, but no, it's it's really great that they were able to uh, to settle, and it seems like a pretty fair figure. Yep, and uh, we'll just move straight to the bullpen, my friend, as far as Ken Giles. going to definitely be a Blue Jay for $6.3 million. This is a guy that could be an elite closer. Yes, he punches himself in the head and all these other <laughs> shenanigans. Oh, well, it makes it fun and entertaining. But this is a guy that's projected to do very well this season, even as a Blue Jay. I, I, it's a good deal, in my opinion, regardless of it's, like I said, that he had a high ERA last season and everything. He still had 26 saves, and I believe he was perfect in save opportunities last yeah. season. Yeah, it's just, the, you know, the thing with Ken Giles that's really, really puzzling is that last year with the Blue Jays in the second half, he went 14 for 14 in save opportunities, but his ERA was 4.12, which is not really the kind of ERA number that you associate with being perfect for saves. But as you mentioned, like, we've seen what he can do, uh, you know, with the Astros, with the Phillies early on in his career. He had some elite-level seasons. Um, yes, it appears to be a little bit of an inflated number for the ERA that he put up, um, but... You know, the interesting thing that I found in the beginning of his 2018 season with Houston, he had a 4.99 ERA, his FIP, which, you know, is is pretty much a a more true telling, a a true number of ERA, it was 2.28. So significantly more, I guess, stomachable for Blue Jays fans. But I'm definitely, you know, optimistic about his outlook, especially 
um, you know, without all the, the, the messiness that he had with Houston. It's it's going to be a really good season, I think, for Ken Giles. And I think for the Blue Jays, after what happened with Osuna and trying to find that that solid closer role going into the season, knowing that they have him, uh, and the baseball ref projections have him at, you know, 3.79 year over 57 innings, which I would take for a closer. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think it's a really fair figure. Nothing too out of the ordinary, but but still good for the club. Yeah, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head because if you look through his career, career here, his FIP numbers and his actual WHIP numbers are pretty much dead solid straight yeah. through his whole career. Around the 1.2 up ballpark for his WHIP, other than his you know super season that he crushed it with the 2017 Houston Astros. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just um, he's a world. He's a guy that has won a World Series. This is a guy that you should have on this team one way or the other. And if you do, all of a sudden find us we're way too far on the other side of the coin come you know the trade deadline this year this guy is a blue chip guy that you will be able to flip to any team in major league baseball that is in a pennant race yeah yeah no i I totally agree i think he's (laughs) he does have a pretty reasonable contract and i think that's the argument that's being made in the blue jays camp right now is that you know if perchance there is a lot of interest in him you can expect a decently hefty return, especially if he goes out there and is perfect for saves once again. But that's definitely something to keep an eye on this season. Yep. So that pretty much, other than Joe Biagini, who signed for just below 100 mil, which uh, not shocked by that number. <laughs> oh, fair enough. That's pretty pretty fair for his for his performance and everything. Pretty decent deal. Yep. So um, going through the rest of this, the other two big surprises are um, I was surprised that Randall Gritchick got five million dollars for his one year, but in all reality, he did. Was he leading the team this year in home runs, or was he just behind Smoke? I think he was just behind Smoke, but yeah, still, I mean, still up there. So, but then I think this is actually even more interesting and telling that, um, and maybe this is where Kevin Pillar is falling off. You got Gritchick for five million dollars, who's quote unquote just as good with yeah. more offense. Pilar only signs for five point eight million dollars. Yeah, the Pilar thing is is kind of puzzling. I mean, Pilar has just been enigmatic for this team for the last year or two. But I, I, I'm interested by these arbitration figures because it it you know not only does it tell you what the organization thinks of various pieces, but also could serve as, as somewhat of a yardstick in the future of you know what might these guys be worth on the trade market. What does the organization think they might be able to get? Um, you know, and while Travis and Drury and Biagini to some extent were not super surprising, um, MLBTR I think was pretty dead on with their projections for these guys. You know, the Pilar and Gritchuk, uh, you know, figures do sort of give you an indication of, well, you know, the organization values these guys. Maybe they underrated Gritchuk a tad. You know, I would have, I would have thought that he'd get a little bit more. But, you know, Pilar and, and, and him together, definitely the organization values them. And I think that's a good thing at this point. Definitely. And um, as far as the Drury and Travis uh, fun goes, like you said, just around, just under 2 mil for Travis, 1.3 for Drury. These are the hurry up and show me something contracts. Of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And I guess you could throw Biagini in that ballpark too, because if he can't do it, I'm I'm honestly tagging him for AAA Buffalo for this whole season, unless he can show me something. But Travis, I think, is that him and Drury have second base to lose, right? Of course, I that's that's a really interesting picture come spring training. But yeah, it'll be him. Uh, you know, Tra- Travis and Drury are in there. Maybe Arania gets a look. Who knows where Guriel plays? Um, he, he will play. Uh, it's just where he plays. But yeah, it, it, the Travis contract is definitely a hurry up and show me something. I think the organization is losing patience a little bit with him. But we'll see as that sort of 
progresses. Yeah, I find that interesting that you think Guriel's not going to play anywhere but shortstop. Is that because of the Boba Shet nipping at his heels idea? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious. I don't know. I'm just no. I that that that's something that I've struggled. Like I've always known. Like Guriel's going to play on this team. He's going to yeah. be in the lineup every single day. He's a really really good young player. Um, I don't know. I mean, he'll start off the season at shortstop. I think. Um, you know, because Bichette, well, Bichette won't come until August, maybe September. So maybe this year he'll play at shortstop. But, you know, does Drury play short? Where does Urania fit in? Um, do they make any other middle infield signings? I hope not. Um, but, yeah, it, it's he interesting. got one already. We yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> like, no, I know. I, I don't know. You know, Goriel played some outfield when he was younger, so maybe he figures there a little bit. But but uh, the middle infield picture is something that's going to become a lot clearer, especially with Drury and Travis, because they really need to show something. Yeah, especially with even the more plethora of talent that's coming up the next couple of years. The Blue Jays have a, basically a six-year worth of freaking players that are going up the middle in a two-year or three-year win span. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, I'll give you my personal opinion. I think Guriel runs out this whole season unless Bichette does force the... Uh, organization's hand to play shortstop because it's one of those things right now he's the guy on this team that they have to know more about yeah and i I think they know he's gonna hit but they need to know if he's gonna be able to stick every day at shortstop because he has the arm for it oh it's insane level of arm yes of course (laughs) and in all reality i made the joke i think maybe even with you that he has enough arm that he could probably play third Yes. And still get away with it, it especially with his um, cat-like speed and reflexes. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. But um, it's one of those things I think he's just going to be trucked out there at, th- at short unless another uh, offensive um, force presents itself. I think that after Vladdy comes up after the inevitable wait, um, yes. Drury and Travis are going to be battling at second base for the playing time. And you mind a lot. Guriel play shortstop during that time frame. Yeah, and the thing is, Craig, like just to finish, you know, this up, Guriel is not the problem, right? No. Like he's like he's not exactly. <laughs> like he's not somebody that the team looks at and they're like, we got him. Like they're they find a place in the lineup for him based on what some of the other pieces do, and they can count on him. I think this season is gonna be very important for that. But yeah, you know, with oh this guy named Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and with Drury and Travis, like he's complimentary to everyone else, and and his positional versatility, as you mentioned, the arm. You're you know you're not the first person to say he has a fantastic arm and that he could stick even at third. Um, but yeah, he's totally not the problem. It might be solution in that respect. But you know, we'll definitely see the the Travis Drury story is going to be really interesting. Yeah, and as far as all those guys are concerned, I think not only is the positioning battling just as intriguing, but the what the inevitable lineup is going to look like at the <laughs> day one with this, because you can make the argument that Guriel's got the stuff to uh, stick at the top of the lineup. Even. Yeah, the the bats the bat could definitely be there. I mean, I he hit he hit pretty much everywhere last year, but but that's going to be interesting to see what fun spring. It really will. And a fun April, you know, for Blue Jays fans watching Charlie Montoyo getting his style. I know Gibbons was really, really indecisive with the lineup. What will Montoyo do? It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, so let's get to the elephant in the room, my friend, seeing we do a dead horse of all the other news that we can. <laughs> um, as far as it goes, Russell Martin is going to be heading back to his previous alma mater as yeah. the, Do- the Los Angeles Dodgers sweep him up for what is basically a... Uh, regular everyday replacement level contract as the Blue Jays turn around and eat more money for this season. But I think that's a means to the end of eating all the money and everything and getting that what they did. And in the midst of 
crushing all that money. They turn around and get a couple of prospects, one that probably has the likelihood of being a major league player, and then we were talking before the show, another that's probably more of a wild card that is easily depth for this team, but maybe something more. So let's talk Russell Martin before we talk about the youngsters coming back. Um, Russell Martin has meant a lot to this team, my friend, just between the last few years and whatnot and the playoff runs, obviously the Canadian connection. Just to give you the wonderful thing he says on Twitter, he's wanted to thank all the Blue Jays organization from top to bottom for the opportunity to play for my home country for the last four years. It was truly an amazing ride. I'll miss the great team and staff. I am not I am now looking forward to being back with the Dodgers where it all began. So very humbling, and obviously this is the leadership stuff that we've had to enjoy for the last four years. It's going to be a heck of a mantle for somebody to pick up in that locker room, but Russell Martin was a great Blue Jay, regardless of what people want to say about the last couple years. Your take, Aiden. Yeah, you know, the thing with Martin is, and I think that statement really perfectly summed it up, even people who were not happy about Russell Martin's performance over the last two years still admired Russell Martin as a person, you know, myself included. I was not particularly impressed with the last two years of Russell Martin, but I still had a very difficult time saying negative things about him because he's a class act. People around the organization have told me that he's a very, very good clubhouse guy and a very genuinely nice human being. And as you mentioned, a leader, a Canadian guy. Uh, You know, another thing that, that he did in that statement is he wrote it in French as well. And published it in French for his for his French Canadian and Quebecois fans. You know, it is a very very good leader and a very good guy. And as you mentioned, you know, these last two years have sort of left a bad taste in Blue Jays fans' mouth. I mean, it hit 194 this year, 221 a year ago. Um, it, it's it's a bittersweet moment. You know, I, I feel like this needed to happen. Uh, Danny Jansen is is too good and is going to be too good, hopefully. Reese McGuire is going to be too solid behind the plate, we hope. Luke Maley is sticking. It, it, it just had to happen. Um, and I think he understands that. And that's, you know, the best thing about that statement is that he's he's going to a contending team, the team that, that drafted him. But it is a very, very... It's a nice it's a nice trade. I mean, it really, you know, there's no bad feelings involved as, as far as I know. Everybody understands it, and Blue Jays fans are heartbroken, understandably so, because they lost this this real Canadian patriot, this really proud, you know, Torontonian. Um, but I think it'll all work out for the best. And even though they did take on a chunk of that salary, the prospects coming back are, are pretty intriguing. But it's, you know, it's something that when you take a long look at it, at the end of the day, you go... I, I think this is good for the organization. I think this is good for Russell Martin. And, and I think the fans are going to start to see that when Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire split the entire... Well, Reese McGuire might not split all the time early in the season, but when Danny Jansen is that catcher of the future. And I, I think it's going to work out well. And, it you know, no hard feelings overall. Yeah, and I think there's a lot set is goes to be said about how Russell Martin was a key contributor to the core of this team over the last, you know, run that we've had. If you don't have Russell Martin in that lineup with Bautista and Carnacion and Donaldson from 2015 on, you can make the argument that we might not have made the playoffs. This is a guy that completely righted our pitching staff, who in the more or less was not a giant standout name running with anything on that day. We're talking about in 2015 a rotation that started with uh, Daniel Norris in the rotation wow. <laughs> and, uh, and company. Um, so... 
there was a lot that went right, and a lot of that could go to the credit of Russell Martin and his leadership and catching abilities, obviously in 2015-2016 being a key part of the offense as well. But you saw this team went wrong quick, and at that same time, Russell Martin went wrong. <laughs> so it could be made, you know, the argument that the, those two things were not, you know, not just circumstantial. It was a coincidence that they went together, you know. Yeah, the the intangibles are huge, right? And and you know we've mentioned Martin's 2015 season. I mean, he had an OPS plus of 112 that year. I mean, he was an All Star and got some you know minor MVP consideration. He finished 24th in the AL that year. Like he was hitting in 2016. He was hitting. He had an OPS of 733 in 2016. But yeah, the intangibles. You saw this guy behind the plate. His pitch framing abilities, his game calling abilities, his defensive abilities. I mean, his arm has sort of fizzled out a little bit throwing out base runners, but he was the catcher. He was, I think you mentioned, you know, he centralized the core. He, you know, he was that guy that the Jays needed. And again, the same thing with the Tulowitzki contract that people have mentioned ad nauseum. You know, if you go back to the day when the Russell Martin contract was signed, you still sign that contract. Like, the Blue Jays still signed that contract, even knowing what they know now. The two years of Russell Martin, and even to an extent the third year, even though we only played, you know, 91 games, that was worth it, even if they had to eat a chunk of salary. Like, there's no reason to go back and say they shouldn't have signed that deal. Maybe financially a little bit less, but of course that was the way the market played out. But yeah, he was really, he was really something special. Yeah, but those two contracts and all the other money and all that stuff aside... I'd pay for those World, uh, World Series shots <laughs> all over again. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> it's all hindsight at this point. Who cares? Of course. We got yeah, what we exactly. want. The drought is over with, and in all reality, the drought is not going to last anywhere near as long, I don't think, with the core that is being amassed in the minor league system for this team. So let's speak of that core. Along with Martin going to the Dodgers, we have $16.4 million being eaten by the Blue Jays this season in return for Ronnie Burrito and Andrew Subco to uh, come back and do some good stuff for this. Burrito being a middle infielder, um, this guy looks like he profiles as a guy that could be an, not maybe that borderline between a super utility everyday player, uh, but he has some pop, man. You, you, you had it on Twitter yourself, a decent opposite field home run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he's super interesting to me. I mean, it's so weird. So, you know, the first thing about Ronnie Brito that everyone's saying there was a fantastic thing by Fangraphs about this, a great thing by Baseball America as well, if anyone's interested in reading a little bit more about it. But this guy has an outstanding glove. I mean, he really does. If you look at, they don't have defensive metrics for him in rookie ball, but if you look at what scouts are saying about him, he's an outstanding, outstanding fielder. Whether he's a shortstop, whether he's a second baseman, as you know, Craig, as you mentioned, a super utility guy, uh, he's going to be a really solid defensive player. But what's weird about that is that he strikes out a lot and he hits a lot of home runs for a shortstop with a great glove. It's a kind of a weird juxtaposition in his player makeup. But still, I mean, he slots in in the top 30 in the Blue Jays organization, which, to be honest, I didn't think the Blue Jays would be able to get in a Russell Martin trade if you talked to me about that, you know, two, three weeks ago. I'm I'm shocked that they managed to get that. He's really, really interesting. Uh, whether he starts in Bluefield, which might be the more likely uh, scenario, whether he starts in Lansing, you know, he's going to join the depth chart. They, they have a lot of middle infielders in the lower minors that are all the same, sort of defensively minded, real stay-at-home shortstop second baseman, but he's a great piece to get. 
Yeah, and as him being a great, I think you hit the nail right that he's going to be probably more destined for Bluefield. But I just wonder if he, they want to throw him right into full season ball right off the bat would be my only argument. Worst case scenario, he starts off with the lug nuts as a uh, you know backup guy for one of the other guys, and then he takes that step back to go play around with the uh, Bluefield Blue Jays a little bit more, which in all reality has one of the better as a guy that has visited. They know how to make kids Major League Baseball players and get them ready for this whole truck that is going to be the minor league system. So that's the other argument. Um, I do love the, what they are saying about his glove, and I'm hoping he profiles as a, at the minimum, like a Johnny McDonald type. Yeah. <laughs> as I mean, uh, somebody that can, with some more pop, obviously. But at the worst case scenario, you've got a guy that can come off the bench every other day or something like that with a glove. It, that's the stuff dreams are made of, man. <laughs> Smart replacement players go on the bench. Absolutely, I, I think you know it, it, it is. A, it, it's it's too far. It's too far in the future to talk about what he will produce at a major league level. But what we're hearing about him right now in the—I mean, he's really young. He's nineteen. He's only nineteen. He's nineteen. So he he he's doing really well for what he's doing right now. And I think this next season, going through the Blue Jays development process, as you mentioned, I mean, Bluefield Lansing. Uh, Dunedin, uh, Vancouver, they all do fantastic jobs with their development. So it'll be really good to see what he does with that, with, you know, with those organizations, whoever uh, he happens to go to. But yeah, he'll be a really interesting piece. And again, you know, not really something that I thought they'd be able to get in this trade. So, so good on them for being able to do that. Yeah. And um, as far as everything goes, I know it's rookie numbers and everything, but I figure these just got to be at least said for the Blue Jays fans' sanity. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, batted 295 in 61 games between two different rookie levels this past season. Hit 11 home runs with 55 RBIs, and it also sprinkles in 14 doubles. The big thing, yeah. like you mentioned, the strikeout and the walk ratio is very one-sided with 23 walks to 78 strikeouts. I'm going to chalk that up at this point to youth and just wanting to get out there and prove in something. If I think he gets into the Blue Jays system, those numbers I think at least come closer to fit, you know doubling instead of tripling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll and see. Yeah, we'll sprinkle see. some stuff in, but it'll be good yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's it's... It's really, really promising. And again, I, I always love defense in young players. I think it's something that is really underrated and that not a lot of young players, especially infielders, talk about. So the fact that we're you know, they're getting a defensively you know, a defensive minded shortstop is something that's really intriguing and exciting for the minor league. So we'll you know, we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, the Blue Jays fans have seen how fun it is to learn defense after the fact. <laughs> or oh, yeah. look left fields or Teoscar Hernandez yeah, and it has yeah. great lumber at the dish. This may strike out a little bit more than most people, or especially me, like to see. But um, <laughs> then again, I grew up watching guys like Tony Gwynn that didn't strike out. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, I think I saw spoiled, one of the best. Right. I am very spoiled. I think I saw one of the best stats I've ever seen that um, it said that in the last two years that Giancarlo Stanton has struck out like 480-something times. Tony Gwynn had a 19-year career and only struck out 460 times. <laughs> wow. That's nuts. That's nuts. That's the complete opposite end of the spectrum, and I'm not expecting <laughs> that to happen again, but it would be nice to see somebody not strike out 300 times in a year. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, that's you know one of the best things about you know Tony Gwynn and, and guys from that era is that the bat-to-ball ability. You know, not even, you know, Tony Gwynn hit really, really well, but just being able to get the ball to the bat, put the ball in play, force the defense. But yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic that's stat. A See, art. I, well, I grew up, I grew up the opposite. I, I was watching guys like Jim Tomey and Adam Dunn 
who were hitting 40, 45 home runs a year, but hit 210. Yeah. So, you know, to see guys strike out at Teoscar's clip is sort of like, eh, it's just another day, another day at the ballpark for me. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's I still wonder the first team that figures out, hey, if we don't strike out as much, what they do for a season, what it does, like, this, <laughs> I mean, the new bullpen shift, whatever the hell idea, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, we'll see about that. And I, I think I think it's coming. I mean, the yeah. bats ball thing, putting the ball in play, putting pressure on the defense, a huge trend of baseball. It's just going too far the other direction. But before we go too far down that rabbit hole from my friend, <laughs> yes, we get to talk about the other piece that the Blue Jays yet got. Yes, we didn't get, just get one guy with this. We got a nice right-handed arm as well. Um, maybe doesn't profile as good as maybe, you know, uh, Brito does. But this is definitely a guy that we need in a bullpen situation or at least to run out and start get some starts in the innings and whatnot in the minor leagues. But... We get back uh, Andrew Sopko from the Dodgers minor league system. Hasn't played any higher than double A with Tulsa in this last season. But had some pretty good numbers in a full year of baseball. Um, had 117 innings with a 3.52 ERA. And to get you, and I don't have a fit for him, but <laughs> good piece. Yeah, he's. I think Ross Atkins mentioned this yesterday on the phone call. He's a lottery ticket arm, right? Um, does he profile as somebody who is going to be talked about to start the season? Probably not. Um, but is he somebody that might get a look in September? Is he the 8th, ninth, or 10th arm to come up should there be injuries? Yeah, perhaps. Um, again, it's a throw-in piece, and, it, and everything on top of lo- unloading Martin's contract, right? You know, they saved, what, $3.4 million or so, they got Brito, who we just talked about, is an interesting piece. Anything they get on top of that is just gravy, right? You know, if he ends up filling out the minor league depth and giving them a little bit more, I know Atkins has been talking about it all off season and rightly so, about acquiring pitching depth. It's so important, right? Because you never know what can happen with these guys, especially in double-A. I know we talk about double-A because you and I, you know, often talk about Bluefield and Lansing. We talk about double-A as if it's rather advanced in the minor leagues. But double-A is still pretty early in a player's development. So... You know, it's interesting, and I will definitely be watching him. But, yeah, more or less sort of a lottery ticket. I don't want to say really a throw-in, because I think the Blue Jays were kind of intrigued by him, and Atkins alluded to the fact that they had scouts that really liked him. But it's he's definitely going to be an interesting arm going forward. Yeah, worst-case scenario, this is the exact kind of guy you need to bring back to New Hampshire for the Fisher Cats to get a chance at defending their championship. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. So... But as far as all that kind of good, fun stuff goes, um, we talked about this a little bit before the show, that our off our minor league system is definitely more offensive heavy. So we needed to do something in the midst of losing some of the guys that I liked and Harold Ramirez's and whatnot to come back and fill in in some of those, you know, raise the bar a little bit on the pitching uh, side of the ball. And I think they're doing a good job with these off-season acquisitions of bringing some good young talent back into on the pitching side of the ball because we we know at the end of the game that tr- the the old saying is good pitching beats good hitting it and does and then we have a shift on top of that now i guess would be the most wonderful <laughs> part <laughs> so good pitching and good shifting equals no offense right <laughs> yeah I, I like i like what they've been doing you know I, I i haven't gotten the chance to really talk about it a lot but i really like the led misty as for trent thornton trade um i think what they did with elvis luciano he's going to be a really really puzzling complex piece on the roster going forward they're gonna have to do some clever roster manipulation to to keep them on the team but yeah uh the pitching that they've added has been really quiet i think there's still something big coming whether it be trade whether it be free agency but it's a great start in terms of arms yeah 
Well, the big news isn't going to be that Drew Hutchinson rejoins the team as he just signed a arbitration like contract, basically with the New York Yankees. With so the Yankees. fans don't get scared. <laughs> <laughs> so the past, indeed. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, Hayden, before we wrap this up, my friend, uh, tell me what's going on with you. What's going on in Blue Jays world for you? Well, I'm continuing my scribbles uh, at Jay's Journal, which is a blast. We have a ton of new names that are joining the writing team. Absolutely fantastic scribes with a lot of different ideas. Um, I'm also doing some writing uh, for the Daily Hive Toronto, if anyone's interested in Maple Leafs and Raptors, um, which is what I'm doing some writing over there. Uh, I'm also writing for the wonderful Ari Shapiro on his website, ariShapiro.ca, and doing some freelance work elsewhere and just continuing to try and give alternate looks uh, it's really been a blast. I'm coming up on one year uh, in sort of the Blue Jays blog sphere, so I'm really excited about you know what the future is for me, and and really excited to do more things like this with you and just just have some great baseball chat. Yeah, you're always welcome here, my friend. And I just so yeah, even if you want to steal a spot for your own on Jaybird watching, you know, we, we wouldn't be offended. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Greg. I really appreciate you know you having me on, and and just I like the baseball chat. It's just two friends talking ball, and I, I really enjoy that sort of casual nature and I, I really appreciate it yeah it's ex- i always shoot for the low bar here if it sounds like we're just sitting in a bar watching tv you know throwing peanuts at the ball game you know when something <laughs> bad happens that's that's the, that's the bar here you know <laughs> i love it it's it's really comfortable and it, it gives really gives really candid opinions i mean i really enjoy the conversations that we have and i, I appreciate you having me on Sounds good, man. And it's always a pleasure having you here as well. So, we might not be uh, quite on barrels and Baraki level yet here at bird watching, but <laughs> I hope we'll get best. there. I hope we'll get there one day. They're a good team. They're a good duo. I like yeah, that a that's lot. That's too funny, and I, I look I, forward to the most of those two this season. That's going to be fun. I like it. All right, so Blue Jays fans, um, this has been our wrap of what the re- recent breaking news of the Toronto Blue Jays has been. My guest today has been Hayden Godfrey of Jays Journal and plenty of elsewhere. <laughs> Hayden, it's been a pleasure <laughs> having you. Thank you so much, Greg. Really appreciate it. No worries. And Blue Jays fans, do not forget to hit up those subscribe buttons. We are climbing the ranks on iTunes as we speak, basically, as a baseball uh, podcast in general, not to mention just the fact that we're a diehard Blue Jays fans. We're going to have some fun, interesting talks about top prospects coming up as we compile our top 30 here between South of the Six, Prospects Live, our friends like Hayden here, and just to see what the heck happens so we can hopefully initiate a fun conversation roundtable as we dive through those rankings. We're also putting something rather odd together as we're going to do a movie debate on what movies for baseball are kind of fun and what we should do is the quote-unquote best baseball movie of all time so we're gonna have plenty of fun on that Hayden I think I would talk to you about that previously so obviously you're more than welcome to join that conversation of course love to (laughs) so plenty of fun coming up here on bird watching as we strive to be just as good as barrels and barucky and if you haven't seen that (laughs) clip please check out the jaybird watching twitter at bird watching gc and Eventually, we're going to have spring training baseball, live games, and all sorts of things to be right here hosted for us. So you can go ahead and mute your Pat Tabler and uh, Buck (laughs) Martinez feeds. Hey, you joined me for one of those games last year, right? It was a good time. It was was really fun. It was just, as you mentioned, just talking about baseball, going through it. I believe the Jays actually won in walk-off fashion that game. Uh, It was really exciting. You know, really fun time just talking ball. Our most famous recording was we were actually doing a calling for the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. spring training walk-off in Montreal. Ah, 
That was a great so, one. That was That's a good awesome. time between Adam Corsair and myself doing that, who is also a very good friend of the show and leader of SouthOfTheSix.com. But they're, t- they're kind of stuck in Raptors mode at the moment, which is not shocking. I was amazed to see he put a Russell Martin mark. <laughs> with how good the Raptors are doing. So, but anyways, plenty of good things going on here at Jaybird Watching. Don't forget to hit up the website jaybirdwatching.com and we will be here for all your breaking news and wonderful good fun times. And even if we do get into some of the bads, we'll hope to do, uh cheer you back up here and give you some good luck to the future. Thank you everybody again and go Blue Jays. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.